Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, good morning, everyone. We are back in the book of Revelation. It is um, our morning Bible study here. Um, We've been studying about um, this uh, this chapter here. Um, This John is looking around and he's seeing something going on on Mount Zion and uh, the lamb with him, uh, this 144,000 who had his name uh, on their foreheads. They had been sealed. So the Lamb is with these people. Um, They have come through this great tribulation. And um, they were singing a new song before his throne. Uh, And we've seen that uh, back in chapter 7, these 144,000 were named. They were from the nation Israel. They were named from the tribe, the different tribes of Israel. And, you know, again, what is this? And like we've been saying and studying, you know, back in our Old Testament studies, God promised that he would deliver the nation Israel. God promised, even, you know, when the when the Assyrians and the Babylonians were coming in and they, you know, due to the, the sin of the nation, God promised, I will deliver you, you know, from from all of this and I will restore, you know, I will restore my people. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> we go through trials and tribulations. Even today, James talked about it, you know, consider it pure joy. when you go through trials and tribulations. But Jesus talked about and described, like we were saying in Matthew 24, chapter 24, um, there's going to be a great tribulation. You know, the, the abomination of desolation. It's even worse than you could ever imagine. And so... We're encouraged by our own tribulations that He is there for us, but He is telling us that He is also going to um, um, rescue His church. His church is going to be delivered from uh, trials and tribulations. And McGee keeps teaching here that 
The church itself is not mentioned here because the church has already been removed from all this great tribulation and all these um, things that occur when Satan got thrown down um, to, to earth like we saw back in chapter 13. And this beast gets thrown down to earth and... and um, you know, this is like the third woe to the world. It has to deal with uh, uh, Satan finally gets unleashed for a period of time. Um, and he's got this, uh, the persons of the Antichrist, this this political leader and this uh, religious leader, these two beasts. Um, the earth is having to go through all that. But then on Mount Zion... We're going to have the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and with Him, these 144,000 that He has marked <clears throat> from the nation Israel. And this is, uh, as McGee's teaching, this is the, the keeping of this promise that He's going to deliver His people. And they're singing a new song. They're singing this song of redemption. Because they've been redeemed from the earth. And McGee says, it probably took this great trial and tribulation, this worst of all, perhaps to get these people to be redeemed. These are people that weren't in the church. They had to go through this great tribulation. But it's their faith, their faith in Christ that brought them through. Christ had already done the work. Christ had already died for him on the cross, just like he died for us. That time on the cross allows us to be victorious over our own sin and over death itself. But that work on the cross saved these people too. And they're singing a new song. Before Christ. They've been redeemed from the earth. And that's what we get this picture of here. We're getting this picture of these people, the nation Israel, being redeemed. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women for their virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he, wherever he goes. These have been redeemed, and I'm reading in verse 4, have been redeemed from mankind as the first fruits for God and the Lamb. Okay? So, as McGee was teaching that during this time of war and trouble, I mean, we've seen in the past during war times, people, many people say, look, I'm not getting married. That would be the worst thing to do to try to start a family. These people probably made the same thing, made the same decision. For whatever reason, the tribulations was so bad that these are people who, who aren't married. And so scripturally, they're virgins. They haven't been defiled. And it's almost like, you know, all through the Old Testament, God's been making references to Israel, the nation of Israel, being the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ, you know, is 
you know, the proper bride of Christ, the original bride of Christ, got defiled, remember? Like, was adulterous, you know, to making allegiances with foreign nations, to Egypt, to Assyria, to the Babylonians. So the original analogy to this bride of Christ was corrupted because the nation Israel had defiled himself, defiled itself. So you had a, a corrupt bride. So what did the bridegroom do? He still loved the bride. And the, the bridegroom rescued his bride. And that's sort of this same analogy. You know, you can look at it here as now the nation Israel, the bride again, is not defiled. These are people being redeemed from the earth. They've gone through this tribulation, just like the nation Israel got taken into captivity into Babylon, and then they they were brought out of it, and, and God rescued a remnant of his people from that time in Babylon. And he kept saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to preserve you when I restore the nation. So now he is restoring the nation Israel. And he has marked these people whom he's going to restore. And he's not going to lose one single sheep. And he's, these people are standing there with the lamb. And he's marked them as if to say, look, and I'm, I'm being real specific to my promise from the nation Israel. And these 144,000 are people from the different tribes of the nation Israel that I have brought through. And this is <clears throat> like the bride of Christ again in that Old Testament analogy. But this time the bride has not been defiled. And so... <clears throat> We have this analogy to the bride of Christ. We have this analogy to the remnant of the nation Israel. And then we also have this analogy to the lamb and the shepherd. The lamb, which is the sacrifice for the nation Israel, which is Jesus Christ. And also this shepherd analogy that will not lose a single sheep. So the lamb is also, Christ is also the lamb, but also the shepherd as well. <clears throat> Just like he is the king as well as the high priest as well. So here we see um, in verse 4, these have been redeemed from mankind, the first fruits for God and the Lamb. So <clears throat> the nation Israel, those who are redeemed from the surviving people, from the nation Israel, that bride of Christ, that final remnant from which God promised the nation Israel, will become the first fruits for God and the Lamb and in their mouth no lie was found. In other words, they're not repeating the lie from Satan. They're repeating the truth that comes from God. And they are blameless. 
Why? Because they've been redeemed by Christ, just like we have been redeemed by Christ. These are the first fruits who have come through the nation, who from the nation Israel. These are the first fruits as Christ restores his kingdom. Now, the church has already been <clears throat> taken out of all this. We are his first fruits, too. But they've been redeemed from mankind through this great tribulation. And they're the, the nation Israel, as Christ reestablished his kingdom, they're, as he is reestablishing his kingdom, they're the fruits of that kingdom. They're the first fruits of of his reestablished kingdom. We are also his fruit, but these are the first fruits of that reestablished kingdom, that bride of Christ. So, uh, verse 5, And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. Verse 6, Then I saw another angel. Now, as McGee says, we're going to see six more angels flying around. We've got a lot of angels here. So this next angel is flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. Okay, so this angel is spreading this eternal gospel. Is, is it the same gospel that Jesus Christ has us proclaiming here? This is the gospel of Christ. This is a gospel message that this angel is proclaiming. It is a gospel message that is, uh, what is the eternal gospel message here? He said with a loud voice, we see it in verse 7, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth the sea, and the springs of water. So this gospel message is a gospel message of repentance, just like Christ's gospel message that he's given us is a message of repentance. But he's saying, repent now, this is it. The hour of his judgment has come. And isn't it interesting that the very hour of his judgment when it comes, the Lord Jesus is giving the opportunity to those on the earth to repent. Even then, it's not like he's coming here ready to just destroy mankind. He is trying to get as many people to repent. Now, he's got the 144,000, his first fruits from the nation Israel. He has saved those. He has marked them. Now he's calling on the rest of the, of the earth. Please, save yourself. Repent. And how do we repent? It is a gospel message. Fear God. Okay? You got to fear God. Why should you fear God? Are you fearing God because he's scary like a monster? No. You're fearing God because you are condemned in your own sin. And you've got to fear his judgment on sin. 
He is holy. You are unholy. And somebody who's super duper unholy needs to fear God in his wrath because God is against sin. God is going to punish sin. So you got to fear getting punished. And I was listening to a sermon by, I believe it's Lloyd-Jones. He was saying Christ came to save us from hell. We deserve to go to hell because of our sin. That ought to make us scared to death at how bad we are. We've kind of, we kind of forget that. We're so unworthy. The only thing we're worthy of is hell. Fear God. Fear how bad your own sin is. That's what you have to do to, to repent. You can't repent if you don't <clears throat> fear God in your own sin. <clears throat> You've got to first acknowledge your sin to be reconciled to God. Then the second thing is give Him glory. How do you give Him glory? Well, you, you repent of your own sin and give Him glory. You acknowledge Him, not yourself. You acknowledge Him, not your own pride. You give Him the glory. You give Him glory in what you think and say and do. You give Him glory when you reconcile yourself to your fellow man and you love one another. You give Him the glory. You fear God, then you give Him glory. And worship Him. You praise Him. Not the earth. You worship Him. With your heart and your soul and all your might, you love Him. Give Him the glory by what you do. Worship Him by what you think. And worship Him in your prayer. Give Him the glory when you pray. Remember, it says the prayers of the saints are like, are like um, an aroma, like incense. I believe that was back in somewhere in... Um, I'm not sure exactly where it was, but I think it was either in chapter 1 or chapter 2. No, I take that back. It was uh, chapter 5, verse 4. Golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Give Him the glory. Worship Him. That is the gospel message, this eternal gospel message. It's eternal to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth. That's what this angel is flying around. He's giving the gospel message to the world. It's almost like there's, there, there's probably nobody else to do it. The angels are sweeping the earth, keeping that gospel message alive. Verse 8, another angel, this is our second angel here flying around, followed, you know, flying around the world too, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. So we've got, again, in chapter 14, this sort of analogy of this 
nation Israel, um, this, <clears throat> as we were saying, almost like the bride of Christ is finally being revealed in the 144,000, this nation Israel, the remnant here, the virgin, the nation Israel, the bride of Christ, the first fruits, and this appeal to the others, the Gentiles dwelling on the earth who are repenting, are, are sort of like this first fruits of Christ's kingdom in contrast to a falling kingdom, Babylon, that is fallen again. This ancient city of Babylon that took Israel into captivity that defiled the bride because Israel had made allegiances to Babylon instead of, instead of calling on the name of God started worshiping all these false idols and a lot of these um, religious practices came from Babylon. And Babylon, as McGee was teaching, and my study Bible references it, it was almost like the, the first great empire, the first great city empire that tries to compete with God, with his nation Israel, and the nation Israel sort of gets swooned into all of the of the um, religious practices of Babylon, which were sexually immoral, and they take their eyes off of God. It's almost like the bride of Christ takes takes their eyes off the bridegroom and falls for the prostitute, falls for the immorality. Of Babylon with all its possessions and pleasures and prosperity. It's sort of Babylon is sort of that prostitute that that corrupted the bride of Christ. And so now the ancient Babylon fell, but we've got this future Babylon that apparently was reestablished on the earth and it was doing the same thing. It was keeping so many away from looking at God just as it had done originally. So the future Babylon, which probably Satan was boosting up, has now fallen. And with it, the sin of the idols, the adultery, adulterous practices had again fallen. So this uh, one angel is proclaiming the gospel, this new etern this eternal gospel, and the other angel is following, saying, fallen is Babylon the great. Why? Because Christ is reestablishing his kingdom. So we're going to stop here and continue our study through the book of Revelation. I hope you're getting a bunch out of this. Me, I am. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing what you've got to say today. So from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ.